Hello, my name is Miranda Ashby-Wood, co-head of publishing at the BIR, and today I'm with Dr. Lucas Pacini, who was a fellow from the CLAN HVH program in diagnostic neuroradiology at Valdebron University Hospital in Barcelona, Spain. Dr. Pacini is co-author of a BJR case reports case entitled MRI findings in cervical spondylotic myelopathy with gadolinium enhancement, review of seven cases which was the winner of this year's Dr. Profula Ganguly Award. Today, we'll be discussing the context behind this award-winning case report. So firstly, thank you for joining me today and congratulations for being awarded the Dr. Profula Ganguly Award. So could you tell us more about the imaging of cervical spondylotic myelopathy? What are the imaging biomarkers you are trying to see? Thank you for having me, Miranda. Uh, it is a great honor for us to receive this special award in memory of Dr. Ganguly. And I would like to thank all of the members of the BIR for considering our paper for, for this year award. And yes, it will be a pleasure to tell you more about imaging in cervical spondylotic myelopathy, CSM. Uh, to begin with, the imaging findings that we try to see on MRI are related to its pathophysiology the accumulation of degenerative changes in the cervical spine may produce a narrowing of the spinal canal. When this happens, demyelination can occur in the spinal cord. And if a severe stenosis persists over time, patients may also develop necrosis of both gray and white matter. This process can be seen on two types of sequences. On one hand, situated images, which typically show the spinal canal narrowing and an intermedullary hyperintensity in the stenotic segment. On the other hand, gadolinium-enhanced T1-weighted images may show a very specific pattern of enhancement in CSM, which has been described in detail by Dr. Owen Flanagan. Basically, on the sagittal plane, the enhancement has a flat transverse, transverse shape resembling the shape of a pancake, which is why this pattern has been called a pancake-like enhancement. This again on the sagittal images. On the axial images, the enhancement has a circumferential shape. There's a histopathological basis to explain this. In general, enhancement indicates areas of blood spinal cord barrier disruption and the vessels which are damaged in CSM are most likely venous channels, which have this particular distribution in the, in the spinal cord. So in short, the findings that we try to see in CSM are typically seen on T2-weighted images, which uh, have a very high sensitivity. But in some cases, especially when you have an extensive myelitis with mass effect, those findings may not be very specific and they may resemble those of a neoplastic or metabolic disease. So in these cases, you may have a list of differential diagnoses and it can be really useful to recognize the contrast enhancement pattern, which is very specific in cases of CSM in order to yield an accurate diagnosis. Brilliant, thank you, that's really interesting. So what imaging modalities have typically been used to image degenerative spinal disease and what are the main benefits and challenges of them? Well, that's a very good question because gadolinium is not typically used in the assessment of degenerative disease. And this is due to many reasons. We do not encourage 
the use of gadolinium in, in a routine manner. But what we do encourage is being able to recognize those difficult cases in which using gadolinium could be useful to allow an accurate diagnosis and to exclude other, other causes of myelopathy, including NMO spectrum disease, spinal astrocytoma, or a spinal manifestation of systemic illness, like in the case of lupus. This approach is not very demanding, and I think that the benefits exceed greatly the costs. Uh, we should only be under surveillance on when to use gallinium and knowing the patient's history before running the scan. This will always result in a benefit for the patient in the first place, but also to, to the quality and cost of medical care, because the diagnosis can help to avoid unnecessary interventions. That's great. So let's talk about your award-winning article. What stood out to you about this case series and what was so interesting about the results? I think that all the cases are very interesting, but one in particular, I think is the most interesting of them all. Uh, it is the case of a patient with an extensive myelopathy with mass effect, uh, which gave the impression of a neoplastic disease and also a PET-CT with FDG was performed showing a hypermetabolic hyper focus in the area of gadolinium enhancement. And this finding reinforced the theory of neoplastic disease and also led to a decompressive surgery and partial resection of the lesion, uh, but turned out to be a pathologically proven CSM. This case, I think, highlights how challenging the differential diagnosis of a myelopathy can be. That's fascinating. Some really interesting findings there. And hopefully your, your case review will, will help others with the with similar cases. Um, so before we end this podcast, um, in your opinion, what is the importance of interesting educational case reports such as this one? How do you feel they benefit the community? I think that the most interesting thing about case series is uh, in general that they can show to us many different manifestations of one particular disease on imaging. And I think that the more times we have seen those different patterns, the, most, the more confident we will be to recognize the typical and atypical manifestations of that pathology. Great, so just one last question. What advice would you give to someone considering writing a case review? Uh, to someone who wants to write any kind of paper, I would recommend looking for good guidance to be surrounded by those who have more experience. I have been fortunate to work with such inspiring people in the neuroradiology department of the Balderón University Hospital in Barcelona, under tuition of Dr. Rovira and Dr. Auger, and they have been that guidance to me. Uh, another advice is that if someone wants to write, I think that he should firstly and always read a lot and read smart. To read smart, he should always ask himself the key questions. Um, to find the key questions, he should be aware of detail in daily practice because the difference is in the detail. I believe that the constant search for detail helps to develop an observant person 
an observant person and an observant professional. And observation is the raw material for any kind of paper you want to write. So that's my final recommendation to be observant. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you about the topic behind your award-winning case report and also hearing your advice for others wanting to write similar articles. Thank you. Thank you, Miranda, for having me. It's been a pleasure.